Well, good morning, everyone. Morning. It's great to be here again, uh, Mosaic. Uh, I was super honored to have the privilege to once again come back and uh, share the word uh, with this church family, and um, it's truly a blessing to to be back. Uh, I do have to um, point out that my use of overgreen uh, is to support uh, a certain very um, godly sports team this morning. <laughs> So just had to get that out there. If you were wondering why all of the green, that's, it wasn't by accident. Um, it was very intentional. So, um, Yeah, so uh, when Eric asked me to preach about uh, or join in this series of prayer, uh, I, was, I was super excited uh, because I feel like looking back over my own spiritual journey, uh, prayer has been probably one of the greatest growth areas I've, I've seen in my, my life. Uh, and there's a lot of factors for that. Uh, but it's something that when, when you get to share personally, but also from God's word on, uh, it's a powerful thing because prayer is this amazing supernatural thing that God allows to happen uh, between humanity and himself. Uh, I think a lot of times we, we maybe view prayer as like we have this like little genie in the bottle right next to us, and at any point we can just kind of rub it and like start talking, and you know, we, it's like we have God on demand, um, and, is, and obviously, God is always present, and he's always listening, and he's always, he wants us to talk with him. Uh, but how we approach God in prayer, I think, is very, very significant. And when we do approach God, and we do have a chance to uh, have an exchange with him, uh, powerful, supernatural things happen. Uh, and so we're going to look at uh, the story in the book of Judges this morning, uh, and we're going to look at this divine exchange between God and Gideon, God and Gideon. So what I wanted to, to do this morning um, is actually slightly different than what I really just sensing God wants to do right now. And, and what we're gonna do, how, how we're gonna start this time off is if, if prayer is really an exchange between us and God. I mean, if you're thinking about having a conversation with a, a really close friend or, or even just a friend, a lot of the times that friend takes up most of the time talking. Have you ever had that time before? in your life? No one's raising their hand? Okay, good, thank you, thank you. Right, like you're sitting across from them, and at first, they're about five minutes in, and you're like, okay, like, you know, I'm, I can listen, I care, and then it's like they almost like start going on and on, you're like, dude, like just wrap it up, you know? Like, let me get to, you know, let me offer you some, you know, points of suggestion, let's get out of here. Um, but if prayer is, is this conversation, is this interaction between us and God, and I believe God still speaks through his Holy Spirit, through his word, um, through dreams, through visions, audibly. However he decides to speak to his people, he's gonna do it. Uh, primarily, though, he's given us his word, amen? Th this is not just a book. It's a supernatural gift that God has given us because it's the way that he speaks. And so what I wanted to do um, right away is I just wanna read Judges 6. I'm just gonna read the whole chapter, okay? It's... Just to let you know, it's 40 verses, all right? Uh, but think about this time as not just the preacher reading words off a page, but I'm gonna pray, and I, and I want you to hear and to listen as if though God is speaking to you personally, as though God is wanting to communicate with you right now personally, okay? So uh, you're gonna, I'm gonna get about halfway through, and you're probably gonna start tuning me out because you're like, seriously, you're still reading? 
thought this was like a joke, right? But this is a time where we can just sit and have the word of God communicated and, and, and read to you so you can listen and hear God's voice, all right? So let me pray. God, I just pray in this moment that you would um, be gracious with us and open our hearts to hear what it is you have to say. God, thank you for loving us so much. I pray that you would help us hear in this story between you and Gideon, God, how much uh, you wanna say to us, how much you wanna do in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Judges chapter six. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midians and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. So, they, so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah, a flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. 
And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, alas, O Lord, God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizrites. That night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bowl and the second bowl, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold there with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bowl and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of that shear that you cut down. So Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Now when the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the Asherah beside it was cut down and the second bowl was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him contend for himself because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerubbabel. That is to say, let Baal contend against him because he broke down his altar. Now all the Midianites and the Am Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet and the Abizarites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali and they went up to meet him. Then Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry in all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl of water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only and on all the ground that there is dew. And all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night and it was dry on the fleece only and all the ground there was dew. That's the word of the Lord to his people. This exchange between uh, Gideon and God. For me, as I think about this exchange, when, when, when God and myself have been in conversation over the years, God has used people in my life to, to show me what is, what is prayer? What is the essence of prayer? And we're gonna see a few things, I think, that um, Gideon shows us. I know for me personally, there's, in my first church, there was a, uh, one of our pastors, his name was Howard, and uh, he was a retired math teacher, and he was just the sweetest guy that, um, that I've, I've met in a long time. And his heart for people was just 
irresistible. Like you could just tell he just loved people genuinely. But the most amazing thing about him to me was his passion for prayer. I mean, it was any little thing that we had a question about, he would say, why don't we just stop and pray? Why don't we just stop and pray? Why don't we just stop and pray? And at points, I'm like, dude, seriously, we don't have to pray about whether we like set the chairs in a right way, right? Like, we don't need to pray about that. But he didn't just think that we should pray. He didn't think that prayer was a good thing. He was convinced that prayer was the only thing. He was convinced that if we didn't pray, things wouldn't happen the way God wants it to happen. That shaped my view of prayer as I was continuing to be a youth pastor at not only that church, but especially at the church I was just at, the Grove. Um, I would think to myself, if I'm not praying, if I'm not convinced that prayer is the foremost task, then I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing church. As a youth pastor, I would just be an activities director, booking, overbooking these kids who are already so busy and crazy with their lives. I'm just creating more chaos for them. If I wasn't truly convinced that prayer would be the thing that is transforming their lives, I was just playing around. Think about that. As a church, if you're volunteering the church with your families, are you convinced that prayer is your foremost task and that if you don't pray, it's just, you're just another organization out there looking to do good stuff? I remember telling my adult leaders on multiple occasions, what if we showed up on a Monday night, that was our youth group night, and we only did, we, we, we only were, were, were expecting to do what was based on our prayers the week before. So essentially, my challenge was, let's, what happened if we would take a week and pray the whole week leading up to the Monday, and then let's see what, what would happen based on our prayers the week before? And I mean, that, I wasn't gonna have any backup plan, no plan B, no plan C. Oh, well, it looks like you, know, you guys didn't pray hard enough. Here, I have the program ready for you. No, let's pray. Let's ask God, God, what do you want us to be doing on Monday night? And then let's just go with it. Now, that sounds very disorganized. It sounds like an excuse for not planning. And we actually never did this. Um, but <laughs> I know. But my challenge for me was, what if? What if we did that? Would five kids show up? Would 100 kids show up? Would lives be literally changed that night? What would happen if we were convinced that prayer is our foremost task? It's the same with family life. What if we all took one Saturday you know, a month and the week leading up to it, we just prayed every day that God would show us what he wants us doing that day and see what happens? Don't make plans for that Saturday. Plan to pray for that Saturday. See what happens. So we're gonna look at Gideon. And really uh, what I want us focusing on and I believe you know, God wants to show us is this, that prayer is the only response to God when our human hearts are convinced that God's presence creates supernatural power to help us live out his divine purposes. It should be on the screen there for you. You don't have to remember it. So uh, I'm just gonna point out a few things here. Number one is that in this divine exchange between Gideon and God, God, God gives the gift of presence. No, not Christmas presents, but presence, his 
physical presence. God shows up in the form of an angel. The angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon, and so God is communicating with Gideon. He shows up. Now, we know that the, the Israelite people were wicked people, right? I mean, they, they would say, yeah, God, we wanna follow you, and then they would start rebelling, and then they would, God would discipline them, and then they would cry out to God, oh, God, we're sorry for messing up, and then God would send them a judge or, or a prophet to restore them and help right the relationship. And so it's in this instance that God shows up again to his people with and through Gideon. And so God shows up to Gideon, and I love this how God shows up to Gideon. You know what he says? The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure the last time anybody came up to you, or I'll just, me personally, they came up to me, they didn't know me, you know, they came up to me, they looked at me, you know, they kind of looked at me and said, oh, Zach, almighty man of valor, hello. Right, like, no one's done that to me. Maybe they have to you. Blessings on you. But, you know, I've, you know, I've never gone to a camp when I've spoken at camp and someone comes up, introduces me, and they say, hey, welcome, this is the mighty man of valor, Zach Marino. It's never happened, right? Just, and that's okay. But, but Gideon gets this, like, amazing introduction with God. God blesses him with his presence, and with that comes this crazy gift of affirmation of who Gideon is. God comes in and says, first of all, I'm with you, Gideon. The Lord is present right now. And then he affirms him in his character. And we're going to get to that in a second. But as we think about prayer, you guys, I want us to consider that our ability to commune with God is a gift. And I believe it's something that we take advantage of way too often. Us Americans, we, we have our rights and our privileges that we just, you try to take it away from us, we get upset, right? We, we, we're so entitled. And so we look at prayer and we go, I'm just entitled to a conversation with God. Because I believed in Jesus, now that's my right. And I think sometimes we can go, God, I can talk to you anytime I want, or I don't have to talk to you anytime I want, but I know you're gonna be there. And that's the attitude that I believe we can sometimes have with God. And so often, guys, we forget that God shows up, God creates the ability for us to commune with him. It's a gift. What do you do with gifts? When someone gives you a gift, you're like, ah, I'll open this later. Nah, I'll just throw up my pile of gifts that, you know, I get every day. No big deal. It is a gift. God, in his great grace, shows up to Gideon. An amazing gift. Prayer is an amazing gift that God gives to us. Now, how does Gideon respond? I love this, how Gideon responds. He says, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds? And he goes on. And so what I love is there's complete transparency. When we are praying, when we're communing with God in this divine exchange, there's complete, there's complete transparency. There must be complete transparency. Gideon, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't fumble around. He doesn't beat around the bush. He just right out, you know, God blesses him. God, you know, I'm with you, almighty man of valor. And what does Gideon say? Dude, where have you been this whole time? I mean, he just like jumps right in. Now, 
Beating around the bush. I mean, you can ask my wife. I am not so great at being direct a lot of the times. Right? Like, I struggle with saying things the way they are because especially if there's like feelings, you know, at play, I'm, I'm gonna try softening as best I can. That's just my personality. And one thing I've had to learn to do is because my wife is a very direct person, if I'm more direct with her, that's actually gonna be a loving, caring thing. It's actually gonna help our relationship when I'm more direct. I should be hearing an amen from my wife right now, but that's okay. There it is. And so that's, she, she communicates that way, so when I speak her language, that helps. It helps me, it helps our relationship, it's good. So this complete transparency, this bluntness, this honesty that Gideon shows is, is awesome. Gideon doesn't hold back at all with God. He summarizes quickly for God. It's like God maybe forgot. He summarizes quickly for God. He says, God, why did you let this happen? Didn't you bring our fathers out of Egypt? And now the Lord's forsaken us. I feel like that's kind of the hands in the air. Now the Lord's forsaken us. He basically calls out God and says, what the heck, if you're truly with us, why all this horrible stuff happening? I can't tell you the number of times I've heard this very argument. If, if God is truly there, if he's truly loving, why is he let all this bad stuff happen? I wonder if we've had moments in our life where we question, is God really listening? You feel like sometimes you're on mute with God. Maybe you've said the same things over and over. You've prayed the same things over and over. Oh, you're just wishing and hoping and longing for an answer, for the answer that you want. And you feel like God just said, I'm not listening to you right now. I've walked away from you right now. You wear me out. Like, if those are the things you're hearing, that's the enemy. Because God is present and he is listening. And guess what? He can handle, he can handle all of the stuff that we bring to him. He can handle it. Guys, if, if, you're, if you're super angry with God, express that. If you have words that you wanna exchange with God, God isn't gonna be offended if you use some, you know, unchurch words with him. He's not gonna be, it's like, not, it's not like he's gonna break down and run away crying if you just like lay into him. Gideon lays into God. What does God do? How does he respond to Gideon when he is completely transparent? Here it is. God encourages Gideon and says, hey, you're a mighty man. And he says, do I not send you? God is reminding him, he says, hey, listen, you are a mighty man of valor, not because you're strong and mighty. It's because I am gonna be sending you. It's because I'm gonna be behind you. And so God lays out to Gideon. He affirms him. He encourages him. Even when Gideon just lays into God, God responds graciously. And he says, oh, mighty man of valor, listen, this is what I'm gonna do in and through you. God can handle our stuff. So in our prayer lives, in, our, in these divine exchanges with God, exchange all of the crap to God. Do it. It's good for us to lay it out before God, but then we need to also listen for how he responds. 
because he responds graciously. And in his responses with Gideon specifically, he lays out the plan for Gideon. Gideon, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go save Israel. How does Gideon respond? Yeah, right. You see, God's presence delivers his supernatural power in the very presence of God. When we're exchanging communication and, 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 and communing with God through his word, that's where God's power comes. And with God's power, then he sets us up. He says, hey, I got something big for you. I got something for you to do. You're going to be strong. You're going to be mighty. And sometimes we're not convinced that God can actually do that through us. Sometimes we're like, really, God, me? Do you, have you seen me lately? Do you know where I'm at? I mean, Gideon says, God, I'm the weakest clan. God, I'm the smallest, weakest clan, and you're going to use me to defeat these people. God says, oh, mighty man of valor, I'm going to send you. I'm going to go with you. Gideon gets this affirmation, this supernatural power starting to flow through his life. And we see as it goes on, and we heard as I read the word to you that Gideon comes up with excuses. And I encourage you to read through this. And it's probably excuses that you've said before to God, right? Gideon comes up with excuses. And then, and, and here's the thing about excuses. God isn't surprised at our excuses, it's not like we're going to come up with five excuses that just like blow, like, roll. that's a really good reason I never thought about. You know, God is actually just wanting you to share that stuff. He wants you to bring the excuses out because you know what? That clears the way for you to see how great and holy and powerful and loving and kind and gracious God is. And so you can be filled with his power to then go out and live these divine purposes that he has for you. And this happens through this divine exchange with God every single day. So God affirms Gideon. He promises he's gonna be with him even in the midst of excuses. And what does Gideon do? I love this. Prove it, God. Prove it. It's like it's not good enough for him yet. It's a bold move. So Gideon goes on to gently and humbly test God's promise and his presence and his power by the fleece test. God, if you really who you say you are, if you really will do this, God, have my fleece wet and all the ground dry. And what does God do? Gideon, I can't believe you tested me. No way. Now I'm cursing you with these punishments. What does he do? Answers his prayer. Answers his prayer. He's gracious. He's kind. He's patient. And Gideon says, God, I, I know you did this, but can we do one more thing? One more time? This time, have the fleece be dry, but all the ground be wet. What does God do? Are you kidding me, Gideon? You're testing me again? Go to your room. That's what I said to my kid. Whoops. No. God says, okay, Gideon, and he does it graciously, patiently, kindly. What I love about this divine exchange is God's patience in your 
exchange with God, in your communication with God, God is patient. God is kind. As you share the things on your heart, as you're being completely transparent before him, he will deal patiently and kindly with you. So as we consider prayer, I just, I want to kind of summarize a couple things in this exchange that we have with God, and then we'll be done. God's very presence is going to break down the walls, and it's going to create a transparency that is filled with humility and worship of God. I think the thing, I believe the thing that Gideon had, and what I saw, not only in Gideon, but in Pastor Howard, is this crazy humility and awe of God. It's like the more that we are able to be in this completely raw and transparent relationship with the Lord, sharing everything, and God, and in his presence, he breaks down our walls and he creates a humility because of how he responds to us, not how we respond to God. How God responds to us creates a humility and an awe and a worship of God because we firsthand experience the very fact that we don't deserve God's humility. We don't deserve God's kindness. We don't deserve it because of how we treat him sometimes. But God continually responds with patience, with kindness, with love. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes God is gonna act in a way of a, of a father with his children, right, who are, who are out of line, and he's gonna discipline, and he's gonna rebuke, and he's gonna correct, and that's good. And even when he does that, he does it in a way that is kind and gracious and loving because guess what? It's his kindness, his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so it's, it's God's very presence that breaks down these walls that creates humility and worship of him. And so I just encourage you in your prayer life, in your, in your exchange with God, Seek, seek humility and worship. Seek awe of God. And, and I'm not saying that in the seeking, that's created. I'm saying as you seek God, God, I, I wanna be humbled by you. God, I wanna be able to share with you. God, I wanna worship you. And I promise you that God will treat you in a way that creates a proper response to him. Number two, God's supernatural power is gonna affirm your true identity that is grounded in him. Friends, I mean, working with youth for 12 years, identity was the thing that if you could somehow get them believing of who they are in Christ, it changes everything. And how is it different this morning? As, a, as adults, as young people in the room, as kids, we need to believe that who God has created us to be is the best. God reminded Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor, but, but what he was really saying is, is Gideon, you're gonna go fight these fights, but I want you to remember and see the warrior that's gonna be winning the battles. Was it Gideon? No, it was God. God was the warrior. God was gonna be one that was gonna be winning the victories. And so Gideon's identity was not, I'm a mighty man of valor. It's, oh, I worship, a, I worship a God who is my warrior. And when he, and I'm gonna be filled with supernatural power 
of the warrior who's going to go win these battles. And when we make excuses and when we try to think of every reason not to step out in faith, not to step out in obedience, God's supernatural power is going to sustain us to go forward, to walk with the warrior who's going to go before us, as Gideon does. And I encourage you to finish uh, that story of Gideon because we see God's power flowing through Gideon. And lastly is this, God's divine purposes will patiently be revealed to you so you can fully experience the power, grace, and joy that comes in obeying the Lord. God is gonna reveal his purposes to you so you can fully experience the power, grace, and joy that comes, and he's gonna do it patiently. He's not gonna say, hey, hurry up and get with it. I got stuff to do. Move it along. Jump on board or get off. God's not that way. He's gonna be patient with you. And as he is patient with us, and as we start to follow him, friends, there's power and grace and joy as we follow him. So I encourage you today, how often are you in divine exchanges with God? How often are you pouring out your complete heart and soul to God? My prayer is that all of us will experience this presence of God, this affirmation of God, this power of God, and that we will walk to live out the divine purposes of God. Amen? Amen. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. God, it is a gift. And I just pray that each day, God, we would see our our ability to commune with you and, and have these divine exchanges with you as a gift. And that, God, you would create a humility in us. You create an awe and a worship of who you are. God, you would fill us with your, your supernatural power to reaffirm who we are, God, in you. That it is not us, God. It is you that's going before us. And, God, it's you that's setting out divine purposes for our life that you will help us walk into with joy, with grace, and with power. We love you so much in Jesus' name, amen.